0: Greetings. Welcome to another Truth Factor discussion. On today, we're going to be considering where an innocent man is brought to trial, but yet it will be a death that ends up serving all who will put their faith in him and follow him. Thank you so much for joining us today for our study. We are in Luke. And Paul, if you would, tell everybody what chapter of Luke we're going to be considering today.
1: Well, John, we are in Luke chapter 23. 23. And as we look at Luke chapter 23, uh, you might uh, want to make comments or ask questions. You can do that at YouTube.com TruthFactorLive or Facebook.com TruthFactorLive or even Twitter.com TruthFactor. And so as we study today in Luke chapter 23... Uh, what we'd love to do is to have you to engage with us and to uh, do that. You can also go to truthfactor.com and click on the live viewing page. And there's a place there that you can uh, interact with us as well. And we look forward to what
0: you have to say. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. Um, trust everyone is having a good day today. Um, so, Paul, where do you? where would you like to begin today?
1: Well, as we are in Luke chapter 23, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Uh, and, uh, and in just a moment, I'll ask uh, Brian to read uh, Luke 23, 1 through 7. I think he'll probably be reading out of the New King James Version, if that's uh, what he typically reads out of. And as we look at this, I want you to notice something as we go through this, I think it's really important. And that is that here in one chapter, in about 56 verses you could read it probably in just a, a couple of minutes uh, just a well just a few minutes anyway anyway uh that luke covers some amazingly important things but the conciseness and, and the way in which he presents it uh gives us all those things that we need to know in just a uh, relatively short uh, amount of time. And so let's go ahead and look at verses 1 through 7. And Brian, would you, uh can we jump right into that and have you look at verses 1 through, uh, read for us verses 1 through 7? Then the whole multitude
2: of them arose and led him to Pilate and began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time.
1: One of the ways in which I like to engage in a discussion of these kind of things is to throw out some questions uh, that we can take a look at, and I distributed those questions among the panel uh, that's online today, and uh, we'll also offer that up to you. Uh, The question we have for discussion in our chat group is, was Jesus the king of the Jews? And kind of explain your answer, if you'd like, as far as what kind of king he was, and Uh, As you look at that, also, uh, if he was or if he was not. Uh, And so, uh, look forward to the answers that if you're joining us on one of the uh, chat areas, that you can do that. Uh, Now, uh, I was wondering if some of you have some background that you might be able to tell us a little bit about Pontius Pilate. We read about him here, uh, and we see that Jesus is before Pontius Pilate, and in verse 23, Pilate. Uh, is asking him some questions. And uh, would someone like to talk a little bit about this man, Pilate? Well,
2: uh, there's quite a bit of history about Pilate. We have records of him, both, of course, the gospel accounts. Um, You know, Pilate is about the third or fourth most mentioned person in the New Testament, interestingly enough, uh, as far as uh, his name being used and him being cited. So there's some relevance to that. Uh, As I said, outside of the Bible, there are records of Pilate as well. Uh, There's an archaeological find called the Pilate Inscription, which uh, is an inscription that references Pilate or was inscribed at Pilate's command, while he was the governor of Rome. He was, of course, a Roman, and he was governor for, I want to say it was about 10 years. I tried to pull the note up in front of me, and I wasn't able to find it. Uh, yes, 26 to 36 AD is the information that I have here. And so uh, we have a good deal of information about the man, Pilate, uh, that uh, both in Scripture and out of the Scripture.
1: Well, that's interesting, Brian, that you mention that, because what I uh, gained from that uh, first of all, I didn't realize about the archaeological thing that you mentioned, but historically we know there was a pilot, and Luke is really good about giving us those historical references. And so he references that uh, not just that Jesus was tried, not just that he was brought before a Roman because the Jews would not have had authority to execute him, but he brings him, uh, before someone that we can look up in history and know that he really existed. Now, as we think about that, uh, Tom, uh, I might ask you: What is the, the reason that he's brought before Pilate? As Pilate examines him, uh, as he uh, interrogates him here, what do we see as the accusation that he wants to know about?
3: Yeah, well, well, as we look at uh, as we look at the text, it, it basically uh, we would use the term insurrection or the idea of rebellion. Uh, the charge that is made against him is, uh, you know. Uh, uh, he, uh, we found this fellow per- perverting the nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, uh, a king. And, and so you got the idea of rebellion against the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire tolerated a lot of things. Um, but uh, obviously they were going to deal with anybody that came along and professed you know, to be a king uh, uh, in place of Caesar and so on. Um, Well, Pilate
1: was going to have to answer to Caesar, ultimately. And and as we look at that, uh, he certainly doesn't want to say that he tolerated someone saying they were in place of Caesar.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, an interesting observation to make here, though, is when we closed up chapter 22, Jesus had been convicted by the Jews of blasphemy. Notice how they have changed the charge when they When they come before the Roman magistrates uh it, it becomes a different uh, court, which just describes one of the highly unethical irregularities, illegalities, whatever you want to describe it concerning this 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 trial that 's taken place
1: well, we see that and um, Jesus had no intent of trying to bring down the Romans as a uh, civil nation. Uh, In fact, Jesus orders them on another occasion to pay taxes to Caesar. Uh, And he's not trying to take Caesar's place. He is a different kind of king. You know, Pilate gets that because Jesus's answer when he says, are you king of the Jews? In verse three, he says, he answered and said, it is as you say. Uh, And so Pilate understood the difference between the kind of king Jesus would be and Taking the place, because what is the verdict there, John? Uh, as we look, uh, maybe in verse four, uh, that we see that Pilate makes an initial verdict. He examines Jesus. Uh, he says, "Here's what you're accused of. Are you the King of Jews?" And he answered and said, "It is as you say." So he says, "I am the King of the Jews." And so, but what is Pilate's verdict? Even though Jesus
0: owns up to that. Oh, when everything is said and done. Pilate still can find nothing wrong with Christ. He can find nothing to um, convict him on. He's found the man not worthy of death. That's right.
1: Uh, I find no fault in this man. And so yeah. that, that is the, uh he is tried by the Jews. He's brought to Pilate, and now uh, Pilate finds no uh, guilt in him. Now, Brian, if we move on to you, they bring forth another accusation. Uh, this irritates the Jews. And as we read on down through here, of what further accusation is made?
0: In verse 5,
2: they say, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee to this place. Um, and that concept uh, is, a, is an indication of the crime of insurrection. That he is uh, trying to stir up the people, which is a very, which is a criminal uh, uh, capital crime, one would say, too.
1: He's a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's uh, keeping the people uh, stirred up, and that's not something that uh, the Roman government was very favorable toward. Uh, I just got a note that said that Tom has a real quick thought. Let's hear a real quick thought, Tom.
3: Yeah, uh, when you look at verses 3 and 4, you know, it kind of seems weird that Pilate would just declare Jesus a, a guilt or innocent when he says, uh, I, yeah, I'm a king. But remember, we've got Matthew and John, and we're not going to go into the details of those chapters. But the other Gospels give more details about this uh, interaction between Pilate and Jesus. So just kind of keep that in mind when you, when you study the Gospels, put them all together. Yeah you know, this is this
1: is not a uh, harmony of the gospel study but there certainly are other details that we can look at regarding this encounter uh found in Matthew and Mark and John. Is that what you were saying, Tom? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh well here we see that uh Pilate heard that uh, from that accusation that he began in Galilee to this place, and he asked Jesus if he was a Galilean and realized that he was. And so he realizes that someone else has jurisdiction, that Herod, uh, and I believe, uh, and and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a great historian, but I believe this will be Herod Antipas, and uh, that Herod would have had jurisdiction over uh, Galilee at that time, And so he thinks it would be best for Herod to be able to hear from this person who is from his area. Now, I would like to go back, and uh, the question that we asked was, was Jesus king of the Jews? And I see that we have some answer, or at least one answer to that. Uh, Gregor Hinckley uh, is watching today, and he says uh, that, was Jesus the uh, king of the Jews? And Gregor answers, well, King of God's nation, God's chosen, his nation Israel, but a spiritual kingdom. Hence the reason he was not guilty to treason uh, of treason to Rome. Well, that's an excellent answer, Gregor. And as we look at that, we, we understand that even Pilate seems to recognize that. When Jesus says that he was the king of the Jews, he does not find him guilty of um, claiming to be a king in place of Caesar. Uh, but rather uh, he re- recognizes there is something different about Jesus. Uh, did you guys have any other responses that we've got to that question or have any other comments? I'm only monitoring uh, one of our chat sources. That was the only answer, Paul. You know, you know, what's interesting
2: is that in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew focuses a little more about Jesus being the king of the Jews. And in Matthew's Gospel, the very first thing it introduces us to is that Jesus' genealogy... Uh, through his adoptive father, actually makes him the heir of the throne of David uh, physically. So there's a sense where Jesus had been born king of the Jews. And in Matthew chapter 2, the wise men come to see the one who was born king of the Jews. So there's an underlying theme that uh, that if you were looking for a king of the Jews at that time, Jesus would have been the man you would have found by his lineage. And so it's an interesting thing to note that there's two ways that that idea of king of the Jews is used. What's more interesting is that whenever the record of Matthew tells us about this king of the Jews, they were trying to kill him. Uh, Herod was trying to kill him for being king of the Jews. In fact, what's going to be interesting is that whenever Jesus is sentenced to die here in a few moments, we'll see that he'll die for that. So from beginning to end of his life, he was under a death sentence for being the king of the Jews.
1: Those are all outstanding points, and certainly we need to... Uh, factor those in as, as we look at this. Uh, Jesus, though, before that Jewish uh, council and before Pilate, he really had no hope of a really fair trial uh, because uh, we're going to see that even though Pilate has made a determination that he finds uh, no guilt in him, uh, nothing that he could accuse him of, uh, we're going to see that uh, he will revisit that uh, throughout this chapter and. Uh, We're going to go on and look at uh, beginning at verse 8. Is there any comment that needs to be made uh, essential to this text? I'm going to ask Tom in just a moment to read verses 8 through 12. And this is a very short account of uh, Jesus before Herod. And uh, we'll see that Pilate's delivered him there because he realizes that Jesus is a Galilean and that Herod, being the ruler in the region of Galilee, wants Herod to be able to hear about this. And Herod is there uh, in Jerusalem at the time. And so, uh, Tom, if you want to read for us in verses 8 through 12 of Luke 23.
3: Okay. Okay, we, we, we read there. Now, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other.
1: Very good. Uh, now, this is Herod. Uh, does someone have an idea of uh, which Herod? Uh, I mentioned uh, one thought about that. Uh, do you know which Herod this would be? You think it was Herod Antipas? Herod Antipas
2: is what, what my notes
1: indicate. I think that's the one that Jesus would refer, would, had referred to previously as a fox, uh, and I realize there's uh, Herod is one of those people like Caesar. There are different Caesars. Uh, and uh, I know that there were different Herods. And uh, so I think that that would be right. Uh, how does Jesus respond, uh, John, uh, as Herod's asking these questions? Uh, kind of, uh, and by the way, before John answers that question, uh, do you notice how that Herod uh, he's glad to see Jesus? But he's not really interested in him as a a Savior, as the Son of God, as uh, someone very special in a religious sense. It seems that he's looking at him as kind of an entertainer. Uh, He's heard a lot about Jesus, uh, maybe some encounter with him. Uh, He brings him in, and then maybe I'll get to see a miracle today. Uh, Maybe I'll get to see some some big work. And I've heard a lot about him, about his teaching. Uh, Everybody's listening to this, and so... Uh he he is uh anxious to, to see Jesus, but as we see that, uh how does Jesus respond to the um interrogation or, or the interview, uh the trial with Herod?
0: Well, according to this account, he says nothing. Nothing he doesn't say anything. He just sits so he there just tr- and listens.
1: He answers Pilate, it is as you say. Yeah, Luke says. And here, uh, before Herod, he doesn't even offer those yeah. few words. And, and he uh, and, may
0: have known, Paul, like what you were talking about. Herod's sole interest may have been, hey, finally, I get to see some of the great miracles he's done. Uh, there was a movie, as I remember watching as a kid, so it was before the the, the big uh, movie about 10, 15 years ago. And what was interesting about it is that it portrayed this Herod as be- very excited. Because now he finally gets to talk to this guy, and he's heard so much about him. But it wasn't the truth he was interested in. It was he wanted to see various signs. And then he's highly disappointed because Jesus does nothing.
1: Uh, That's right. And um, I see that Tom has a thought here. He doesn't say it's a very quick thought, but he says he has a thought. But I forgot to introduce the question for our chat room, and I see that Brian has dropped that in. And the question that I wanted those who are watching today uh, maybe to respond in the chat is, what did Herod do to shame Jesus? Uh, Herod and those who were in the company here, what did they do to shame Jesus? And then uh, I'd like to turn to Tom for some comments. And then I believe Brian has some as well. Go ahead, Tom.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, recall that, as you mentioned, this is the same Herod that executed John the Baptist. Um, you remember we read, and it may have been in this gospel, that at some point when he heard about the miracles Jesus was doing and so on, he thought that it was John the Baptist raised from the dead. Don't forget that Herod didn't really want to put John the Baptist to death. Or, you know, he he listened to him and he regretted having done that. So his seeing Jesus on this occasion, I, I think a lot of that factors into this, the, considering the relationship between John and Jesus and uh, and Herod, with his thoughts about these types of things, he's wanting to see a miracle. You know, I, just imagine if Jesus would have performed some miracles for him there. He probably would have let him go. So anyway, that's just a
2: thought. Brian? Uh, yeah, I was going to add some similar thoughts, too. Um, it's interesting to see that Jesus would engage with Pilate. Of course, the Gospel of John in particular records that conversation. But this this utter silence to Herod, in some ways, may reflect the idea that Jesus really has no regard for Herod or his authority to some degree. As as Tom said, Herod has executed John the Baptist. Um, we're told that Herod has tried to kill Jesus, and Jesus is actually in the past. That's back in uh, Luke chapter uh, thirteen that we see that. And perhaps a, a big part of the point is is that Jesus even sees Herod to a degree as a false teacher when we are told that Jesus warned his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Herodians. So there, there does seem to be a very distinct uh, rejection of Herod that isn't quite the same as Pilate. I think that's interesting to note.
1: And you mentioned there that Jesus would at least respond to Pilate. This was in a comment we had. Uh, Jesus would uh, at least respond to Pilate, but didn't even speak to Herod. So very very, very interesting. Now, he's been sent there for trial. And so, um, there should be an outcome to that. Uh, how does Herod respond to that, as far as a verdict? Uh, anyone have a thought about that? I'll hit uh, Brian. One more
2: time, Paul. The question was, how did Jesus respond to the verdict of, of Herod?
1: Is that correct? I, I may have said that wrong. Uh, what is Herod? What is the outcome of the trial? Oh, it become friends. That's uh, you know,
2: that's an interesting outcome. That it says Pilate and Herod, who you can see why they wouldn't have been friends before. They're they're kind of politically uh competitors with one another. Become friends after this.
1: Right. There's several outcomes I think as we see that, Uh, and you're right that uh, one outcome is that here these two men who are not, (laughs) if I was gonna be very generous, I'd say not particularly godly men, uh. They, they become friends. Uh, we see there that uh, Jesus is uh, shamed. And we also see that as, as we look at this, that um, Pilate actually sort of, uh, John, uh, Tom mentioned earlier that Pilate passed the buck. Well, it seems like Herod kind of passes it right back and doesn't even reach a conclusion. It just says, go back to Pilate.
3: Uh, go ahead, Tom. No, yeah, I was just going to make the observation. I think you kind of mentioned he treated him with contempt, and and it, and it talks here about how they they put a a robe on him, and it's described as a gorgeous robe and so on, and they mocked him, you know, uh, they mocked him as king, and they sent him back to Jesus in that particular uh, uh, look or appearance.
1: So. That's right, uh, and. Uh find a similar reaction between the two leaders and and this. And so let's uh, see if we do have a response there to the chat questions of how was Jesus shamed by uh, the uh, by that Herod and those who are with him. By the way, uh, I asked this question a moment ago uh, that um, and and I will uh, appreciate John popping that up there. We'll respond to that. There seems to be an entourage following Jesus among the scribes and the Pharisees. They, they were there with Pilate, uh, and when he, Jesus sends him to Herod, they follow along. Apparently, they're allowed to be privy uh, to all that's going on. They are the accusers, and so uh, we find that the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, some of the leaders among the, the council, that they are uh, able to be there, and they participate in uh, the trial and in the uh, accusations that are being made. Go ahead, John, if you'll bring that up. Uh, Gregor says that they mocked Jesus uh, uh, with his Roman soldiers and dressed him in the, in the robe, in the, fi- in the gorgeous robe, and, and sends him back to Pilate. Oh, well, he's king. Well, uh, we'll make him look like a king. Any thoughts about that, gentlemen?
0: Paul, I wondered if this was standard treatment of people on trial anyway. Um, or if maybe this was Herod's attempt to get Jesus to try to talk again or to talk.
1: Well, I kind of uh, jokingly sent something to you guys earlier this week that said, we have ways of making you talk. As I led the discussion, I was going to try to bring out answers from you guys, but maybe it was uh, something like that uh, that would be, uh, you know, uh, an indication of, well, you're going to be silent. Well, let's see how long you can be silent. Maybe it was just – standard operating procedure for someone who's accused, whether they're guilty or whether they're not guilty, uh, that uh, if we're going to have to trouble ourselves, you know, sometimes if you go to court, you pay court costs. Maybe this was just the court cost that was going to have to be paid. Could be, could be. Uh, I think Mike Davis has some comments and I can read those or if we can bring those in either way. All right. I'm going to bring in his first one. Okay. He says both Pilate and Herod were interested only in their own political agendas. Pilate, however, is affected with some guilt as he realized the innocence of Jesus. It's a good statement, uh, Mike, and I I appreciate that.
0: His next one.
1: Mike is at home, and uh, he's recovering from a broken broken neck, I believe it is, uh, or maybe it was a broken back. I know it was in the top part, and uh, we hope that you're doing very well, Mike. Uh, the shame was in hoping Jesus would entertain him uh, with a miracle. Uh, he That was part of the shame. You're right. And then the mocking as well. And, and those things that went along with that. And I believe there's one more. Yep. You're good to go. Je- Jesus would not humiliate himself by using righteousness for a sort of entertainment. Uh, what a outstanding observation, Mike. I appreciate that. And that is exactly right. Uh, we We see that the, uh, Simon the Sorcerer learned this as well, that th- these things were not for entertainment purposes, and we never find that uh, they're used for self-serving purposes. These miracles were to prove who Jesus was in the Word. John?
0: That's right. Um, i I got, I got to talk to you about Mike here real quick. Um, we were going to invite Mike back on to join us, and I you told him he could join us the last two chapters of Luke and then Acts, but He's pretty stiff-necked right now, so I don't know if we want his kind in our study. Stiff-necked. He's in a brace. Yeah.
2: Stiff-necked, yeah.
0: S- sorry, Mike. But we need a bunch, so everybody yeah, I, knew. I need a sound effects board. You need, you need a um, uh, Ed McMahon
2: to kind of character for that. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, but
1: well, I'm I will say John at <laughs> truthfactor.com.
0: <laughs> um my, anyway mike was supposed to join us um uh, but with his injury and everything um i'm i'm on hopefully when we get to axe next year maybe um no <laughs> hopefully sooner than that uh mike will be able to join us back uh, as a regular uh regular host um he's he's kind of improved some of his equipment and everything and so once he heals up from the neck issue um would we'll definitely enjoy having him back all right go ahead paul Uh, And and so, uh,
1: yeah, we are very concerned and praying for uh, Mike Davis
0: and concerned for him
1: and and appreciate that uh, that much. We see that neither Herod uh, nor Pilate were interested in standing up to the crowd. They were not men of conviction. Uh, And so uh, they're they're passing him back and forth. And uh, here the greatest there has ever been. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, he is willing to endure that kind of shame for us. Now, in a moment, I'm going to ask John to read in Luke 23, verses 13 through 25. And so what we uh, ended this section with was Pilate does not give an answer. He just beats him and and sends him back uh, in a shamed condition. But Pilate sends him back to Pilate uh, and is going to let Pilate uh, handle this and so uh, that's what we're going to read about in Luke twenty-three, thirteen through 25.
0: And John, if you would read there. Sure will, Paul. All right. So here we have, like you said, Herod is sending, sending Jesus back to Pilate there. And so Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence... I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. And they all cried out at one voice, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus through their will.
1: All right, as we look at this section, and thank you, John, for reading, our question uh, for the chat group uh, that I'd like to read your comments about, and we'll introduce those, is what did Jesus deserve? Uh, We see that Pilate is talking about uh, that he's not found anything deserving of death and so maybe a a question here is what did jesus deserve and we'll look at actually what uh, happened here Uh, now when we look at the assembly once again i mentioned before that uh, as we look at that that it's the chief priests uh the rulers and we have some of the people as well that have been brought there some of these uh, accusers and some of the ones who are in the crowd and uh Pilate issues a second verdict, Tom, and as he issues a, a second verdict, is it any
3: different than the first? Not really. Uh, you know, As a matter of fact, you might actually say, and again, this is where you go back to the other accounts, he says, uh, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault with this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. So I mean, even, I think he's even stronger in saying, I don't think he's guilty of anything, yeah, I I remember one time. Uh, I think I found at least seven different statements associated with Pilate in one way or another that he declared him innocent. Statements or actions that happened, and so he's he's more strong about the fact that he does not deserve to die.
1: We do see that it appears that um, Pilate is having a real crisis of conscience uh, because. Oh yeah. He's telling them, I can't find anything guilty. And rather than just appeasing them, oh, you want him executed? Well, we'll execute him. Uh, he's having a difficult time with this, and and we know a little bit of the the backstory behind uh, his wife and some of those things. But uh, we see that Herod, Herod, if Herod would have had an opportunity to execute him, Herod's verdict was very similar. Uh, that that he could not find any reason to execute him. Herod would have had no uh, compunction at all uh, about uh, executing him, and so. We see that it was a customary thing to release someone who was uh, accused at that time. And Herod has in his mind, well, here's our escape route. I will, if, if I'm supposed to turn someone loose, I'll turn Jesus loose. But why is it, Brian, that we see that Jesus was not the one who was released, but there was this criminal, uh, a notorious criminal, Named Barabbas, that is released. You
2: know, I think this is actually one of the most significant events during the trial that sometimes we kind of pass over. Uh, you probably know that Barabbas is recorded in all four gospel accounts, um, and that just gives a sense of its importance in this, in the record of the death of Jesus. Uh, we might point to Pilate and his motivation here. What he's doing is kind of smart. If he wants Jesus released, He's going to make a choice between the worst criminal that you could find, somebody who's really dangerous to society. And if you let that guy go, uh, you're in danger. You're you know you could be robbed, you could be murdered, all these things. Or you could choose Jesus. And it seems like we would use the expression a no brainer. You you don't want to have this hard and terrible criminal. As you said, the Bible uses the word notorious to describe his villainy. That you wouldn't want that man on the streets. So even if you don't like Jesus. He's a lot better option. So what Pilate is doing is giving them a choice that seems obvious. Now, of course, what the people are motivated to do by the the leaders of the Jews is to choose Barabbas. Now, what's really interesting about Barabbas is that Barabbas is a type for us as well. He's a type of the person who is free from his crime by the death of Jesus. There's a lot of debate among a lot of brethren about how exactly Jesus' death uh made uh, made us uh, free from our sins and I think Barabbas is probably the best explanation that there is that because Jesus died on the cross, Barabbas was free and he was completely pardoned his all of his crimes were uh, paid in full by Jesus. Jesus wasn't given the guilt of Barabbas's crimes but he did pay the penalty for them, uh, the penalty that was reserved for Barabbas. Um, Barabbas is such an interesting man if you consider the meaning of his name Bar Abba and you don't have to be much of a Hebrew scholar to to grab the significance there Bar means the son of and Abba means father and of course we're told that when we become Christians we become sons of the father we're adopted by grace and and so in a sense Barabbas, why he's such a significant person in the gospel accounts is he's us Uh, he represents those of us who uh, for whom Jesus's death has become valid and and meaningful, and and are set free from the penalty of our sins because of the death of Jesus.
1: Uh, I really like the, that that idea of the uh, of the type and, and showing that the guilty goes free while the innocent uh, pays the price, and, and that is uh, uh, I think a, a really significant point, Brian uh, and. Uh, I did not realize, uh, and uh, probably should have, (laughs) but I did not realize that Barabbas is one of the things that's included. You know, we could take a harmony of the Gospels and put them all uh, into uh, uh, the full picture, I guess. But but that Barabbas is included in all four accounts. Uh, of this, and so that's uh, that, that it. There's obviously a lesson for us there by the repetition uh, that is brought forth. And so Barabbas is released. And so, as I examine this, I, I see something. I see that the verdict of Herod is he can't execute him, the verdict of uh, Pilate is twice, I, I can't find any reason. Uh, The things that you accuse him of, I can't find any reason to find him guilty. Uh, But they're going to release someone, and they're going to release someone who's this terrible criminal and keep Jesus. The man who's accused of dangerous crimes is going to be released. And the one who they just don't like his teaching and who he claims to be uh, is going to be uh, sentenced. (laughs) Sentenced. And so at the end of a trial, normally if someone's found guilty, they're given a sentence. This man is found uh, without guilt, but there's still a sentence. And uh, John, uh, as we think about that, I'd like for you to talk to us about uh, what is the sentence that that Jesus has given. Uh, It's the one that the Jews have been crying out for. And even though Pilate uh, has no reason to do it, uh, Pilate doesn't want trouble. And so uh, as these leaders cry out for this sentence... Uh, what uh, do we find that it is, John?
0: Well, ultimately, Paul, he ag- he goes ahead and permits that to be the sentence. The, um, the other gospel accounts shed a little bit more information regarding his motivation. Um, probably one of the biggest ones is, and Luke doesn't build upon it as much, but is the fact that they say, you know, if you let this man go, Um, He was going to have somewhere up above him. He's going to have to give an answer. Why did he let this accused king be released? And um, but instead of instead of fulfilling the responsibility of his job, he listened to what the people said. And that was the sentence. You know,
1: if you study through the Old Testament, uh, judges who did not rule in a righteous or godly way, that they fall under a a strong condemnation. Uh, And uh, it's it's one of those uh, things that we find that that nations are condemned for when their judges are corrupt. And here we find the highest level of corruption. Uh, Tom just mentioned to us that in Matthew 27, Pilate washes his hands. He allows it to be so. It's only by his word that this can be done. But he somehow decides that, oh, don't don't hold me uh, accountable for this. And so the sentence is as that it will be done as the uh, Jews, as the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests, as they have been crying out for, uh, it will be done as they desire uh, for it to be done. And I was looking down here at uh, the words, uh, verse 24. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And they released to them the one they requested, that would be Barabbas, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus uh, to their will. Now, I would asked a question of our chat, uh, and that question was, what did Jesus deserve? And so uh, I think we have some answers to that, or at least one answer to that. And uh, Gregor brings that forth. He said, Jesus had broken no laws. He had done no actual wrong. Having false accusations placed against him under Roman law, Jesus should have been, uh, I think he means released, uh, not even his chastisement was under law. And so they had already done more to him than they should have, I think Gregor rightly points out. Uh, certainly he should not have received that sentence of death the sentence of crucifixion the sentence of a criminal uh, what was he deserving of well he's deserving of glory and honor and praise uh, as, uh, as the son of God as our uh, our only hope uh, but he was going to have to go through this so that he could
3: be that hope for us right yeah and, you know so, Paul go ahead Tom? I, I, w- I would add to that that he was uh, he was deserving of justice. You know, you know, you know. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting that you have a, you have a governor here who has this type of power. You know, we, we, we have we have, we have a governors, president, and so on. That they can issue pardons. You know, they can pardon somebody that has been declared guilty. But to the best of my knowledge, they can't declare somebody guilty that's innocent. So I mean, I mean, so this is this is a, it, 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 it's a it's a travesty what he does I, I mean uh, you know realizing everything that he said uh, the declarations of his innocent and so on and then him basically to wash his hands and say you know what you all see to it I'll let you do what you want to do and I' I'll, I'll, I'll basically I'll take care of the legal aspects but that's it H- how tragic it is to see a leader who is that weak willing to condemn somebody that he knows is innocent
1: Uh, and and that what you say is right. It was injustice. It was prophesied that this is how it would be. And and in the mind of God, uh, God was able to uh, ascertain that was the case. Uh, But we do see, and sometimes we dig up more questions than we can answer. But what we do see is that this was a great injustice. Uh, Pilate and Herod uh, were corrupt politicians. Politicians. And we're only looking to make sure that their boss, Caesar, that he was pleased and that the people uh, didn't get too stirred up. And they were willing to do anything uh, to keep that from happening. They were willing to crucify uh, a horrible, painful execution, uh, a man uh, who they could find no wrong in.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Pilate and Herod were corrupt politicians. You know, almost as corrupt as the Jewish leaders. Uh,
1: Yes, and and there's certainly a a point to be made there. I think what we've decided to do is to go ahead and stop here so that we leave the second half of the chapter for next week. And so uh, we hope that you'll tune in. Uh, That will be on the 16th of January, 2019. Hope that you'll tune in if you're watching this live. uh, and, And tune in at that time as well so that we can finish this chapter and see what other events have taken place. Can you imagine how much uh, territory, how much space we've covered uh, in just a short amount of time, in about 45 minutes, uh, in in looking at this and seeing some of the most dramatic things in Scripture that have taken place? And and Luke has presented that in a way uh, that we can just read it and know it and understand it and uh, benefit from from the truth found therein. And so, John, uh, I'm going to hand back over to you uh, as we wrap up today.
0: Sounds good, Paul. Um, Sorry, something's not responding locally on my side. Uh, I will say, well, John
1: gets that going Paul, and we have had a, you... a hiccup or two along the uh, lines of the video today the live stream i saw it drop at least once and so uh, i hope that that wasn't uh, terribly troubling for you but that you uh you can continue to uh study along with us and it, it picked right back up where it left off
0: Paul, would you like to go ahead and do the truth factoring moments for the three uh sections we've covered today
1: I can uh, be glad to do that. Uh, When we look at this and we consider that Jesus was innocent, but he had no hope of a fair trial. Uh, We are blessed that we have a very just judge who will judge us at the end of time. One who will not just give us justice, but that we can look for his mercy and his grace. But Jesus had no hope of a fair trial with men like Herod and men like uh, Pilate. Uh, Here, I think a great point for us to factor into our lives is that the greatest was willing to endure shame for us. And and here's how I would factor that point in. Sometimes we look at what we might do uh, for others or I say, uh, I am not going to lower myself to serving in whatever way. Maybe we think that uh, in whatever our position is within the church uh, as a, a preacher, an elder, a deacon, a Bible class teacher, whatever it would be, that, well, uh, you know, somebody else can take care of that. I I don't see Jesus being that way. Jesus takes care uh, of the very worst job that there is, uh, and uh, he endures that. Uh, we see that Herod and, and Pilate were men who would not stand for what was right, and we can learn from them that it takes courage to stand for justice and for righteousness, even when those around us, Uh, will not support us, will not stand for right. Maybe we'll have a greater appreciation for injustice and for wrong. It takes courage to do the right.
0: I appreciate that, Paul. And also, as we pull it to a close, we have one more comment I'll bring in from Mike Davis. And um, Mike says, just for thought, when mankind ignores Jesus as the Christ and refuses his reality and his word, are they not crucifying him all over again? And he reminds us of Hebrews ten twenty three through 31. The phrase is in there, we crucify or we um, we put him to an open chain, crucifying him again. It's a very, very good point. All righty. Well, listen, uh, Paul, you did a great job today. I appreciate you, you leading us this far. We're stopping a few minutes early, and it's even better than that because we started a few minutes late. So you got some extra time today. And um, Paul, you did a good job. We'll pick up the latter half of this chapter 23 next week. And Brian, I think you're down to do chapter 24, if that is correct. That is correct. Okay. That sounds good. Looking forward to that. Tom, do you have any final thoughts or comments? No. Good study. Okay. All righty. Well, that's it for today. Listen, I appreciate you taking uh, interest in the truth factor discussion. We appreciate so much your willingness to be a part of our study, whether you're, you're watching this uh, live with us or maybe at a later point in time. If you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to, to contact us. Uh, throughout the course of our study, we've brought up different ways that you can do that. You can email us at questions at truthfactor.com. We're on Facebook at Truth Factor Live. We are on YouTube at the same, Truth Factor Live, and also Twitter at Simply Truth Factor. So we'd love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much, and if all goes according to plan, Lord willing, we will plan to continue our study next Wednesday at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time
1: in the eastern United States That's noon 9 a.m. on the Pacific
2: Coast
0: 10 a.m. Mountain Time It's right here at live.truthfactor.com Have a wonderful week.